0: American Capitalism A History with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. As in the United States, Japanese industrialization grew out of the textile industry. In nineteen oh seven, Sakichi Toyota founds the Toyota Loom Company. And it becomes the center of a new kind of Japanese textile industry, with automated looms and all the things that happen in the US. And by the 1930s, Japan accounts for about 40% of the global textile export trade, even though no cotton is grown there at all. They can import from India and some from the US, and begin to produce textiles in large numbers. And it's in this way that Japan develops familiarity with advanced machinery. Now this. This company is very successful, and it goes on and on, until 1930, when, on his deathbed, Sakichi Toyota takes aside his son. And he says to him, on his deathbed, that he needs him to start an automobile company. Now, this is an incredible weight to put on somebody, much less when your father is dying in front of you. And somehow, incredibly, his son fulfills his obligation to his dying father turning Toyota from a company that made looms into a company that made cars. The son's name was Kiiro Toyota, And it, he managed to do something that seems impossible. It was crazy. The entirety of Japan's automobile production in 1930 was less than a week's of the American production. And yet, by 1935, through liberal borrowing, he's able to produce the very first big-scale Japanese car, the A1. Now, in this process, he renames the company from Toyota with a D, Toyo- Toyota with a T, shifting from one of a connotation of agriculture to one of prosperity. It signals the opening up of Toyota into a larger world. Now, his timing was, in fact, excellent. His father was correct. Because in the run-up to World War II, controls were placed on Japanese imports so that now it was insulated from all American imports. Japanese cars were needed for the rise of an imperial Japan. In 1938, Toyota builds the Koromo factory. And it begins to produce thousands and then tens of thousands of cars. And during the war, there's even a greater expansion. And luckily for Toyota, it's saved by the sudden, unfortunate nuclear end of World War II. So Koromo comes out of the war unscathed. So does Toyota. And in this post-war moment, as Japan begins to rebuild, so too do Toyota's ambitions. Toyota's position was firmly solidified during the Korean War in the early 1950s, where Americans begin to buy cars directly from Japan to supply their troops during the war. And it's in this moment that Japan's economy truly explodes. From 1955 to 1960, there's a tenfold increase in truck sales. In cars, it goes from 20,000 to 165,000. And the GDP as a whole is surging at a rate over 7% a year. By the late 1960s, Japan's economy is second in the world only to the United States. This practice of just-in-time production is systematized in the early 1950s by Taiichi Ono, who though he didn't have a university education, formalized these insights about supply chains. He modeled it, in fact, in his mind, on American supermarkets, which had no inventory at all, except what was being used on the shelves. He thought to himself, how do we do this for automobile manufacturing? And first, as in his own division and expanding throughout Toyota, he brought very systematic ideas about how to produce in this just-in-time way so that the part that one needed arrived just in time for production. You can imagine it as if the assembly line were not just in the factory, but through the entire economy. This is the level of efficiency and productivity that just in time brings. And so what was already a very fast rate of growth in the 1950s exploded in the 1960s at 9% GDP growth a year. Throughout the 1960s, Toyota and other Japanese manufacturers reduced costs every year, even while adding greater and greater number of features to their cars. But American car companies were very complacent. They had nearly 100% of the American market and the vast majority of global production. But that would soon change. In 1964, Toyota begins to export to the US, first with only 4,000 vehicles But that quickly rose within three years to 40,000 vehicles by the end of the 1960s. In 1966, Toyota introduces Corolla, which is a small car aimed at a mass market. And this is riding the doubling of Japanese income in the 1960s. And by 1974, this Japanese car is the best selling car in the world. American manufacturers begin to notice. With the rising price of oil in the 1970s, Americans and people across the world look for more efficient cars. And the Japanese car manufacturers, like Toyota, are happy to supply them. By 1980, the American market is 20% Japanese. And the big three auto companies are losing money. This is the long slide of American automobile manufacturing. During the 1980s, the US government puts restrictions on imports from Japan. But instead of stop selling their cars here, Japanese manufacturers simply set up assembly plants in America, just like IBM had done in the 1960s. So this time, instead of setting up a rural plant in Japan, in Aichi Prefecture, they set up a rural plant in Kentucky. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University.